1: Win Peaks and Canty Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 1075 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. <laughs>
2: And welcome in. In the bonus. Tuesday morning. Tyler Head. Colin Taylor along with you. As I spill all of my papers down in my lap as I'm getting ready for everything. Happy Tuesday. We're off to a great start. Fantastic. I can't
0: imagine another a better way to start off the show, for gonna be completely honest with
2: you. You know, it do be like that sometimes. Sometimes you don't think it be like that. But it do I I see your in your cave once again. Yes. You've turned out the lights. Yes.
0: I don't know why I like it like that, but I have, whenever I come here to do a show, I turn down all of my, la- all of the lights in the studio. I like the backlight. I'm a big natural light guy. Okay. Like in house hunters. Hey, it saves money. Sa- hey, I get it. Trust me. I'm all about call- I- I get That is the dad in
2: me. Yeah. Sure. Where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to turn on all the lights and we're going to be done with it. <sighs> well, when you see your electrical bill at the end of the month, you'd be like, hey, guess what? Could have been worse. You're welcome. Yeah.
0: We could now. I know we can't, but if we could turn on the AC and get it to like a really, really crisp temp,
2: uh, we don't have control over that one. At least not in that studio, right? You know what I'm saying? But like,
0: just think about that for yeah. A second. Just how how nice it would be to
2: fair enough have
0: that moment, you know? But one of these days, sure,
2: sure, <laughs> <laughs> ah, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't control those things. No. Uh, anyway, it is Tuesday morning as we roll along with this week. Obviously, we talked a lot about. What happened with Furman on Saturday night? Again, these are kind of one of those games. Unfortunately, with it being an FCS opponent, that it's it's hard to sink your teeth into as the week goes along. Because again, you went out there, you handled your business, didn't have too many issues, um, and now you just kind of start kind of moving on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Kind of putting this game in the rearview mirror.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's one of those things where you you really you break it down. You move forward, but you really can't linger on this one because, like you said, it's an FCS game. It's not like it's a great idea of who you are over a collective when you're talking about having to play Mississippi State, Georgia, Tennessee. There are things that you can be good at. There are things that are good about it, but it's not like you're going to sit there and say, hey, man, you remember that Furman game? How awesome was that? Yeah, Furman game, and you know what a great win for the program, and it was a good win, but it wasn't like you're not putting this one up on the the pamphlet for recruiting. Sure, if, if that makes sense.
2: Obviously, we only have a two game sample size to go off of of so far, but as we get set to start SEC play and head to Georgia this weekend, there's some guys on this team that have jumped up and surprised. I think all of us um, when you think of one particular name, who kind of tops your list of surprises so far it's kind of got to be xavier i feel like that's the easy answer
0: okay um spencer to a degree i'm gonna go out and say od fortune all right as a guy that i think has surprised me in a good way because he's always kind of had the talent just playing behind guys and we haven't said his name a lot outside of an interception which thumbs up yeah But you just haven't heard his name, and I feel like that's a good thing when you're talking about a DP.
2: Yeah, corners, especially if you can be that lockdown kind of corner. You know, one of the biggest compliments is, oh, they didn't throw to your side of the field, right? But maybe once or twice the entire game, and yeah, again, Od Fortune getting that interception off Drake May, and we go back to what happened at the end of last season with his 100 yard pick six off of, uh, um, you know, Tyler Buckner in the bowl game against Notre Dame. Like, you know, he he makes plays, and and again, you're not talking about him getting burned on routes or anything like that. So, uh, you know, eh, a surprise, but also flying under the radar at the same time.
0: Right. It's just, And not that I'm saying I expected him to go out there and just get absolutely cooked, but you would expect some growing pains. You would expect guys maybe to get behind him, and but he's older and a guy that I think can be really, really good for this team. I don't, again, I'm not going to call him and say he's... <clears throat> cam smith or darius rush yet we just haven't seen enough of a sample size sure but when you talk about as again pff begins to load for me when you talk about a guy who's now started twice has a pick and we really haven't talked about him a ton mm-hmm. i feel like that's a really good sign for for a corner especially when he's not you know Marcel dial gives up that big pass there he was good outside of that by the way uh-huh. he gave up like two more catches for I want to say 30 more total yards.
2: They're talking on about the on Saturday? Yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, and he had the uh, the pass deflection in the end zone. I think he, he knocked down one more as well. He might have,
0: yeah. yeah. But, like, you're talking about a guy that um, was really, really good. And he allowed three receptions. Yeah, I mean, OD fortune. This season, six targets, three catches for 56 yards. And an interception. That is a quarterback rating of 43.1 when targeting him and and the receiver he's covering so with nine tackles to boot right that's a really really strong start for a guy starting really for the first time in a regular season
2: absolutely and and sticking in the secondary i think we can throw jalen kilgore in there as well somebody that a true freshman getting kind of thrust into that starting lineup and has gone out there and Played well, and uh, he's tied with Debo Williams for the uh, team lead in uh in, in total tackles overall. And I, I think is you know is not perfect by any means, but you don't expect him to be coming out as a true freshman. But somebody that you know kind of similar to like Eamon Worry a year ago, uh, almost kind of that baptism by fire, and you know learning quickly, and and hopefully can develop into one of the uh, one of the better DBs you know going forward. But uh, so far, so good through two weeks.
0: Yeah, and eerily similar. Eerily similar to what happened last year with Nicky Munro. It's almost scary
2: how like, similar it is.
0: <laughs> like, And the funny part of it, too, I think they were, like, ranked similarly. And the, yeah, like, even Wario was, like, the number 315 player in the class. Yeah. J- uh, Jalen Kilgore is 278 in the industry. I mean, like, nearly identical. Separated by 40 spots, maybe. Right. Um, if I'm doing my math close to correct. So, yes. You're always nervous, especially at a high-leverage position. Because safety is a tough position to play because you are the last line of defense for everything. But he's been really good in the run game. He's not afraid to really put his his head into the, the fire and tackle and just be a stud. I mean, they called him a stud, and Shane Beamer did, and he's not wrong. Like I mean, I'm looking at his PFF numbers. just 74 overall grade. Quarterback pressure, 17 total tackles, eight stops in the run game, has allowed four catches on five targets for just 34 yards, and has no pass deflections. The interesting, because PFF will break it down for you by where he takes his snaps, Mm -hmm. 55 of his 109 snaps so far this season come in the box and 35 have come at free safety. So he's playing more, they're letting DQ Smith kind of play center field right? and letting Kilgore kind of go out and kind of be that even Worry type. Just, hey, go out there and and play your role and hit, and when you need to cover, cover, but we're going to
2: let you kind of do your thing. And he's doing it pretty doggone well right now. Right. Uh, I want to jump over to the offensive side of things, and, somebody that I don't think we were expecting to talk about through two weeks, tip your hat to Luke Doty. Shout out. Playing wide receiver. Shout out, Luke I mean, Doty. we heard some rumblings about this through camp and everything like that. And, you know, Luke Doty, obviously a great athlete, but somebody that is a team guy that obviously works his butt off. And one of those guys, like, you want to find a way to get him on the field. Somehow, some way, And look, he's not as good as Spencer Rattler as a quarterback. And look, there aren't a whole lot of people that are, so that's not a knock on him. But, you know, the fact that he took the opportunity, wants to help the team out, wants to contribute in some way to this offense, has made this transition to wide receiver. And going out there and playing well so far, and obviously catches that long touchdown from Rattler the other night. Like, again, I I didn't expect us to be talking about him through two weeks, but here we are.
0: It's just a real gritty... Coach's kid, hard worker, first, first in, one in, last, last to leave, one out. Really, just brings his lunch pail yeah, every single day. I mean, gym rat. Really knows the game. Uh, <laughs> we can we can go on and on with the
2: cliches all day.
0: Yeah, really cerebral. Like <laughs> understands how to play the game of
2: football. My favorite student of the game.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Not toolsy though. That's a different. Yeah, that's, that's a little different. It's different. Um, yes, as. <laughs> All of those things we joke though, like, kind of apply to Luke. He really is. It. And, it, it. It's true. And it's so refreshing. Is not the right word because I have no problem with guys, especially a quarterback, if they enter the portal. But Luke could have very easily, when Spencer got here, said
2: definitely out done bye. like, and and no one would have faulted him. No, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a a long list of teams, m- most likely in the group of five, that would have welcomed him in as their starter. Maybe a couple of power five schools as well. But um, yeah, the fact that he stuck around and uh, again... You know, maybe it was okay. Rattler's going to come in, play one year, and then be gone to the NFL. And you know, Doty might assume that he was going to get the starting job back. You know, this upcoming year, and that obviously didn't happen. So it's like, okay, well, how can I still help this team? How can I contribute? And again, with his his build and his athleticism, wide receiver seemed like a natural fit. Obviously, he's still playing quarterback. Went out there for a series or two on Saturday night once Rattler left the game, but. Um, uh. you know, th- this isn't an unnatural thing. We see a lot of quarterbacks transition to wide receiver or vice versa. You know, yeah. Ryan Tannehill started Shout his out, career at yeah. AM as a wide receiver. Another really gritty yeah, first <laughs> in, last out. Eventually became a quarterback, and that's worked out really well for him. But, you know, this is an opportunity for, again, Luke Doty to uh, contribute to this offense, and he's done well so far. Yeah, and, I
0: mean, it's never a bad idea to put athletes on the field. Mm-hmm. And Luke Doty is a very good athlete. You're talking about a guy who... Coming out of high school, as I load his recruiting profile, four-star guy, top 100 prospect in the country, and a top 10 quarterback in his class. A great athlete, someone that gives you another dynamic. He can play quarterback. He's shown the ability to do that. But you can line him up, and it gives you, again, gadget might not be the right word, but it gives you another wrinkle that dowell Loggins can toy with in the offense and teams like georgia and mississippi state and tennessee and whoever have to prepare for is him to carry on joiner guys that can throw the ball Mm -hmm. downfield in this offense and yeah and again credit to luke for staying and you know he's been he's been really open really open about you know you i i want to be here i didn't want to go somewhere just to go somewhere like i want to be here and who knows what the future holds, but, I mean, I don't know where they would be without Luke Doty right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, again, uh, a very important part of this team, not just from what he contributes to off the field, but just from the leadership perspective and things that we've heard from guys like Rattler and so many other guys, uh, not just on the offense, but on the team as a whole. You know, he he's one of those guys that you look at and it's like, that's a future, like, football coach. Yeah. Oh, yes. You know? essentially with his mannerisms and how he how he carries himself and again just you know showing his his leadership roles on this team and uh you know uh, again it's one of those things you're you're glad he can get out there on the field to some degree and uh was neat to see him get in the end zone from a receiving standpoint on saturday night yeah you you don't root for teams in this business (laughs) they teach you not to do that and
0: it's easy to do once you get in there and, and you're around it constantly you start to root for guys and like you get to know these kids, you know, I say kids, you get to know these They're younger than us, yeah, these young bucks, you get to know them and you start rooting for guys, you start rooting for stories. And Luke, Do- Luke Doty's a good person and a good story and, and really engaging and good person to have in your locker room. I mean, getting to know him yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Luke Broke. Doty, football guy. Quintessential. Huge football. He is like, he's beach football guy. Like if, if uh, Josh Rosen was a football guy, he would be Luke Doty, if that makes sense. That I get what you're saying. I yeah. get it. Like same personality. Luke Doty's just more of a football guy. Yeah, I get it. That makes that sense. makes a lot of in my mind that I was like, yeah, that, that that tracks.
2: Talk about a few more surprises that we've seen through the first two weeks of the season coming up. You're listening to in the bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. <laughs>
1: In the bonus bonus, bonus, with Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central Central. and Tyler Head. Powered by Twin Peaks and Canty Foundation Foundation. Specialists. On your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in
2: Florence. Welcome back in. And the bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Towerhead here on the game. Want to remind you once again: no special teams touchdowns through the first two weeks of the season for the Gamecocks, which means as they head on the road to Georgia this weekend, $300 on the line. The Gamecocks can score a special teams touchdown against the Bulldogs. Channel over to 107.5TheGame.com for the Lawyer Lisa special teams touchdown contest. Register for your chance to win if the Gamecocks get in the end zone with special teams this weekend. Somebody will win $300 in a gift card come Monday morning when Bill and Preston announce a winner live on the air on the early game. If there is no special teams touchdown this weekend, that money continues to roll over to Mississippi State where $400 will be available to the lucky winner. Again, go online to 1075thegame.com. Register for the Lawyer Lisa special teams touchdown contest. Continuing our conversation about guys that have surprised us This year, I want to add one to the list that may seem a bit odd (gasps) considering how tough of a stretch this group has had so far. Yeah. But I got to put Nick Gargiulo on it. Shouts out to Nick, yes. Because, again, offensive line has not been great. Nine sacks in game number one. Yep. Still uh, not quite perfecting the run game just yet. Um, But for Gargiulo, somebody transferring in from Yale, FCS – uh, there was a question of whether he could play at this level. And again, not perfect. No. Still a work in progress. But out of everybody on the offensive line, he's been one of the better ones.
0: Yeah, no, he's been really solid and has graded out as much for your PFF numbers, giving up pressures, all of that. Now, to get no one played well against North Carolina. Right. So I'm probably played better than others, but you win as a, a group and lose as a group.
2: But out of those nine sacks against North Carolina, I don't know if any were specifically on him. No, I don't believe so
0: as I go back to look. But is a good one. I'm I'm trying to think uh, if we're focusing on offense. You know, Stone Debo Williams has really impressed Debo's me. Debo's done well. Um, not, not that it's a surprise, but, like, you just never know when a guy goes from playing twenty snaps to seventy, yeah. what it looks like, and I think he's done well.
2: Well and you know, he's kind of been everywhere. He's been roaming all over the the um the field on defense and yep. again led the team in tackles in uh in week number one had the lone tackle for loss. Like he's stepped into this role and, and again given the circumstances of not having the depth that you would desire to have at the linebacker spot, he's making the most of it. Marion Brown? Marion Brown hope I mean hopefully uh the injury's nothing too serious and we'll certainly hear from uh coach Beamer later on today but he stepped up and done well you know outside of running without the ball in that fourth down against yeah. North Carolina uh really uh, emerged as a, a great guy in that slot and was having a good game on Saturday night prior to uh going down with that injury on the uh, on the punt return but yeah d- done well as well and in the same vein the guy that replaced him on Saturday Eddie Lewis Yeah shout out Eddie um, Lewis
0: like, he played really
2: well. He played really well. We really only kind of talked about him th- mainly from the perspective of special teams in the offseason because that's what he was known for when right. he was at, at Memphis. Um, but he stepped into that slot role on Saturday night uh, with six catches 89 yards, I believe, and uh, played really well. So, again, you obviously prefer to have a Marion Brown, but uh, if he's not able to go for a week or two, uh, I think you feel pretty comfortable about Eddie Lewis sliding into that spot. Yeah, just a kind of an electric,
0: horizontal stretching the field horizontally mm-hmm. kind of guy who can make something happen after the catch. Marion Brown already has forty six percent of his receiving yards from last year. Wow, man! Nine catches for eighty six yards this year. Thir- Twenty three catches for one hundred and eighty eight last year.
2: Now, and obviously the the wide receiver room looked different, different. last year, yeah, because um, you did lose a couple guys. But do you think? Uh, Logan's just utilizing a guy like him better yes. so far.
0: Yeah, I do. I really, really do. Um, I think because He was used Not in space through the passing game the way he probably needed to and Jalen Brooks was on that roster Like mm-hmm. he was used in a kind of a similar way, but a lot of end arounds a lot of sweeps stuff that You can use him for but also put him in space out by the hash marks and let him go to work in the passing game as well and um, has made some some really solid plays as well uh, as we continue to go through. And I look at names on Tyler. Not going to shock you. Your spreadsheet. Uh, can I say one that's kind of surprised me? Sure. A little bit in a non like, oh, this is awesome kind of way. Okay. I thought Trey Knox and Josh Simon would play more snaps.
2: That is a good point. Um, we focus so much in the off season about the tight ends and them being utilized more. And especially when you talk about the fact that South Carolina through two weeks has not been able to stretch the field as much as right. they've wanted to, you think about tight ends in that short to mid range pass area. I definitely expected a little bit more out of them. And again, that that's just, you know, comes down to what Spencer sees um, when he's breaking down the play, what the play call is necessarily. And, and maybe that will continue to grow as the season goes along. But for as much stock as we put into the tight ends being featured more and bringing in two guys with a lot of experience in Trey Knox and Josh Simon, I was expecting to see them featured a little bit more through the first couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. So I'm running down through two games, South Carolina's target mm-hmm. numbers. No, no. Part of that is Xavier get a 17 targets. Yes. Uh, but Amarian Brown, 11 to carry on joiner, 10 Eddie Lewis 7, Josh Simon 6, Juju McDowell 5, and then Luke Doty and Trey Knox targeted four times apiece. And the fact that... If I told you on September 1st that Mm -hmm. the two games, Luke Doty and Trey Knox would have the same number of targets, would you have believed me?
2: I would not. I also probably wouldn't have believed you that Simon would have more than targets Trey than Knox. Knox I agree. With it kinda that. seemed like Knox was emerging as tight end number one. Yes. Um and you go back to the spring game, he and uh, Rattler obviously had some good chemistry there. But yeah, a little surprising that that Simon's gotten a little bit more of the nod uh over Knox so far.
0: Yeah. Um as I look at I'm trying to get back to snap counts now that was targets. But yes, I it's been interesting. And now Knox did have Two, he had a key third down conversion, I want to say, or a big play against North Carolina, another big play against um, Furman. But, yeah, when you're talking about Josh Simon playing, and Knox has played 94 snaps, but only four targets. Uh, and Josh Simon has played 57 snaps. So they're playing good snaps, but they're not as involved as the in the offense as I thought they would be, sure. if that makes sense.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Coach Beamer press are coming up today at one thirty. We'll carry it for you here on the game during the halftime show with uh, Terry. And as always, that press conference every single week on Tuesday is brought to you by Pete Ale Pools and Spas. We'll talk a little bit about what we hope to hear from Coach later on uh, this afternoon. That's coming up. You're listening to in the bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on the game.
1: What you're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence.
0: Yeah, you know, I feel good. Uh, the group feels good. You know, it's good to get a win under our belt. Um, obviously still got some stuff to clean up. You know, I we'll have this game for,
2: for this group we got um, on Saturday. Um, you know it's a great team, great defense. Um, so we're gonna have to be, you know, playing very clean football, execute on a high level.
0: But you know, our focus is just on us right now. You know, we got to focus on us and 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 do what we do best.
2: Welcome back in into the bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on your Tuesday morning. That was the voice of Spencer Rattlers. He joined Wes and Chris yesterday on Gamecock Central Live for a few minutes, just kind of talking about looking ahead to the Georgia game this weekend, and you know, said focus on what they need, what they do, and Uh, what they do best, and, uh, you know, see what happens uh, when this weekend rolls around. And, uh, again, Coach Beamer coming up at 1.30 for his weekly press conference, which we'll have for you here on the game, sponsored by Pete A.L. Wine, Pools and Spas. You know, you look ahead to this game against Georgia, it's daunting. Um, What specifically are you looking or hoping to hear from Beamer later on today? This is such a tough matchup it is um probably i know
0: we talk so much about the offensive line but hey like are the freshmen going to play like where do you where do you throw the line of putting him out there to see what he can do against high level competition versus putting him out
2: there in a hostile environment and maybe ruin some confidence that's that's a big thing now you brought this up yesterday there's a difference between them starting and then playing. So it's one thing if they get out there on the first drive of the game. It's another thing if you decide to bring them in later. I could see maybe leaning towards doing what you've been doing, which is essentially having Sidney Fugar starting at left tackle. Then what, I guess, have Ja'Kai Moore starting at right guard. Now a more ideal situation would be obviously to kick... More back out to the right tackle spot, which is not his natural position. Not his but natural he's just position. Better at it, but then. it's better than the options that you have with with Wanamaker, who just hasn't materialized right. really well there. Uh, with, did Trey Jones play some right tackle as well? He played a lot of left guard or left guard. Yeah, that's he played what it a lot was. of left guard, which is kind There's of interesting. There's been so much moving around. Mechanations of permutations. It, it, it's hard to keep up with. But again, yes. going back to what we saw on Saturday, where you had Tre Babalade at that left tackle spot graded really well, and then you had uh, Trevon Ball playing the right guard spot, graded really well there as well. So again, if you can take the opportunity to move Ja'Kai Moore out to left tackle, which is a seems to be the better option there based on what the options that you have available, cause of course, Casey Henry is uh, still out, and you move those two freshmen to those spots they played on Saturday, that might give you the best chance. But like you said, daunting cast doing that against one of the best defensive fronts in the entire country.
0: Yeah, um let me jordan hall five star mm-hmm. christian miller four star yep jamal jarrett yep four star nazir stackhouse four star Tramel uh Walt
2: walthower
0: yep. uh three star Oof. um Tyrion ingram dawkins fans know him south carolina recruited him pretty heavily four yep. star jonathan <laughs> jefferson four star zion Logue, four star Warren Brinson, four star. Now you get to the edges, five star, five star, four star, four star, four star, four star, five star, four star. This is the one of the more talented fronts you're going to face point blank period on the season, just from a star power perspective. Yeah, and a- absolutely. And it's going to be a run game. At you know, how do you go about stopping that run game yeah. that has been it- really good for you, really good. For Georgia and really not good for you defensively um what does that look like because they have a, a really really kin- how long has Kendall Milton's been in school
2: oh gosh uh in eternity it seems like it feels like Kendall um, Milton has
0: been he has been at Georgia he was on the Muhammad massaqua plan probably yeah like they were roommates. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were he reclassed. It does.
2: Yeah. Um so yeah, Kendall Milton I uh, feel like he's been there for a while. Um he's kind of emerged as RB one this season now that uh Kenny McIntosh has moved on to the NFL obviously and uh yeah, he's he feels like he's been there forever.
0: Yeah. His first year was the COVID year. He still has another year of eligibility if he wants it after this year. Wow, man. He's only been in, so 21, well, and, 22, and, and, and 23 were his scholar or were his eligibility years. He played in 2022.
2: Yeah, and, and he was uh, a very notable name in the recruiting process. So it's a name that's been around for a while, and I think that also kind of contributes to like, wow, why have I been hearing the, about there. this guy for so long? But funny enough, Roderick Robertson, the true freshman, actually leads the team in rushing 88 yards, two touchdowns through uh, three games so far. Tyler, what have I told you about using
0: total yards? I know, it's no rated stat.
2: I know, I know, I know. It's no stat. Uh,
0: but when you talk about averaging 6.3 yards pop, that's where you, like, this is an explosive rushing attack. And Yes. Um, is Mike Bobo running the ball?
2: Mike Bobo's running the dang ball. He's running the dang ball. Um, yeah. I will say this, Georgia uh, fans are not thrilled with how the offense has gotten out to starts in the first two games. Did not score any points this past weekend, the first quarter against... Mm. Ball State, the first time they the not fight scored any. Limbos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, uh, there's no state called Ball, so um, <laughs> Ball so is a state of mind, though. Yeah, Ball is a state of mind. Ball don't lie. Yeah, um, but that's the first time they hadn't scored any points in the first quarter in quite a while. Um, so concerns there. At the same time, though, look, they're not throwing the whole playbook out there against no. UT Martin in Ball State. I. Have a sneaking suspension. They're probably going to get out to a pretty fast start this weekend. They're going to really try to, yeah, yeah. And people are like, where did that come from? It's like, well, you know, they were playing with probably a third of the playbook the first two weeks. Yeah,
0: a lot of like base package inside zone, base package this pass concept, base package that pass concept mm-hmm. to allow uh, Carson Beck to just kind of ease in to things, and he's been fine. Um, yeah, he's been serviceable. Nothing. yards in an attempt complete 72% of his passes three three touchdowns one pick I mean that's (laughs) good I don't know if he's like the guy yet he could turn into that but it's hard to tell yeah like but the sample size is vastly different than the sample size that you would get for something else so yeah tough George is good in the areas that South Carolina struggles in yes which is the lines of scrimmage
2: um On that note, you want to hear a really surprising stat about Georgia for the first two weeks? I would love to know a surprising stat about Georgia. Take a wild guess at how many sacks they have. Don't look through two games. I haven't looked. I'm going to say three. One. One sack. Michael Williams has recorded the only sack for Georgia through the first two weeks of the season. Let's
0: see, though, how many pressures
2: they've created. Because that's the
0: problem. Now, what I will say, and I can look at this, too, but Spencer Rattler's been... One of his biggest issues, and we've talked about it a ton, was struggling against pressure last year. Mm -hmm. And he's been really good against pressure this year. He's had to face a ton of it, but he's been really good at generating pressure over the course of this. So Georgia has created just 25 pressures through two games, which is kind of interesting to me. That I thought there would be a little bit more. Now, it's not bad by any stretch of any imagination, but I would have guessed UT Martin and Ball State were throwing the ball
2: quite a bit. Yeah. They were uh, down. It also goes, you know, I, I don't know, I have to go back and look, but how often, how many guys they were sending, how often they were blitzing, that kind of thing. Right. Um, which, again, I imagine, and look, Georgia's defense handled both those teams pretty easily. You don't have to put on the full court press to no. take care of UT Martin and Ball State necessarily. No. Georgia,
0: if Georgia doesn't win the SEC and
2: loses a game, like loses the SEC
0: championship game, do they get in the playoff? They should. But like, if,
2: do if, they? If Georgia went undefeated in the regular season and lost the championship yeah. game, based yeah, on strength schedule, I it's it's interesting to me. I think so. And and again, people point fingers at Georgia's schedule. They're supposed to play Oklahoma this year, right? Fair. I rescheduled because, of course, Oklahoma's coming to the league next year. So right. you know it's. It is what it is. Um, And after South Carolina this weekend, they play UAB. um, And before they actually get into consistent conference play, and then they wrap up the year with another group of five team in Georgia Tech. Oh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? My bad. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the the schedule is the schedule at this point. What I will say,
0: so Spencer, when kept clean, is completing 88% of his passes Mm -hmm. when kept clean. Averaging 10 yards in attempt with two scores. Under pressure, he's only completing 56.3% of his passes, but averaging 11.2 yards per attempt. So, and a touchdown. 116.4 NFL passer rating when under pressure, which is really good with two big-time throws Yes, with PFF and no turnover-worthy plays. So, handling pressure at a more consistent clip, than what he was last year where when you look at last year he completed again wi-fi uh 33.9 percent and averaged five yards an attempt with six tds and eight interceptions which is not good so nearly doubling his output through two games of against pressure seeing a lot of pressure as well um so spencer rattler's probably gonna get pressured i would say a a decent bit just
2: because Georgia's front's that good that well, and, and them watching the film of especially game number one, knowing that they have the advantage are on the line of scrimmage. Yes. They're, they're going to be sent in the house.
0: Yes. And they have the corners to play matchup man on man coverage in the secondary and put guys on islands. So they can blitz a little bit more probably. Mm-hmm. Um, So you're probably going to see a steady dose of blitzing, steady dose of trying to get him off his spot.
2: Yeah, it's South Carolina can be in for a very long day on
0: Saturday. Yes, they have they have the high end talent to probably compete, but just the lines of scrimmage. They worry me right now.
2: Sure. And uh, again, we'll continue to break this game down as the uh, week goes along and we get closer and closer to Saturday. Coming up, though, I want to take a little step outside of college football, Ooh. college basketball. Uh, An interesting report came out yesterday about a new potential postseason tournament. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll get your thoughts on it. Coming up, you're listening to In The Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game.
1: In the Bonus with Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central and Tyler Head. Powered by Twin Peaks and candy Foundation Specialists. On your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome
2: back in. In the Bonus, Colin Taylor, Tyler Head. With you on this Tuesday morning, take a quick step outside of college football for a moment. This report coming out yesterday uh is college basketball will be here before you know it. I won't give you the countdown, but just know don't it's it's not yeah, far away. Don't do that to me right now. Uh, this is according to Seth Davis, who's College Hoops Insider. Fox Sports is in negotiations with several power conferences, to hold a postseason men's basketball tournament in Las Vegas featuring teams that did not qualify for the NCAA tournament. Now, when you think about it, you have the NCAA tournament, you have the NIT, you have a bunch of like these postseason tournaments, and several that aren't March Madness. Just teams, the CBI, yeah, the CBI, and what there's uh, the what was the one other? Oh, I should know it, but I don't. I there's just to the CBI, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're ones that you really don't care about unless your teams yep. actually in it. Um the interesting thing about this is it would essentially, uh, for three conferences, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the Big East, to have, I believe, all have ties with Fox Sports as far as their broadcasting rights go, would be required to play in this if you do not make the big dance. Ugh.
0: Can we just not? Can we Like, listen, I love college basketball. Love it. We don't need more college basketball. It's already, in the zeitgeist, been relegated to one month a year for the most part. Yeah, mostly. When, when do most average college basketball fans start to pay attention to college basketball? March. March. Into February, like, they might watch some February games to get a sense of what,
2: what this... That watch North Carolina Duke. Yeah,
0: and like, oh, the... Football season's over, the NFL season's over. All right, let me yeah turn my attention to, to college basketball. So yes, we don't need more of it. We don't need, you're really going to turn on on a Wednesday. Now you might, I, I probably still will. We're going to complain about it, but I probably still will watch Oklahoma and St. John's or uh-huh. whoever play in a game at wherever in mm. Vegas on Wednesday at nine o'clock. I'm probably still going to do that, but sure. it doesn't make me excited.
2: And so the, the way this structure is set up, it'd be in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. The vision is for the event to include 16 teams, play at T-Mobile Arena during the final week of March, following the NCAA Tournament's Elite Eight games. And I think about this similarly to when we talk about, like, spring football leagues, mm-hmm. where... There's a reason spring football leagues aren't successful in that they try and capitalize right off the Super Bowl. Right. Where it's like, okay, you just finished watching an entire NFL season. Here's more football. And people are like, I'm good. I don't want this. You're in the middle of March Madness where people are watching games for 12 hours a day, wall-to-wall, all this kind of stuff. And then you throw them, hey, here's this other tournament that you probably don't care about that you should watch. And it's like, eh. Most With teams not. that aren't good enough to make the NCAA tournament, e- exactly. Now, if this is something that you were able to do, like I don't know, two weeks later or something like that after the season's over, you're, I mean, you're still in the school year, like you could. Still but the do portal's that. going on. Portal's and, going like, on. Like there's a lot of reasons why it couldn't happen. Right. But if you were able to do this, like standing alone, maybe I could see that maybe having some degree of working but the fact that you're doing this right alongside like all the other tournaments do the nit is taking place at the same time as march madness and again if your team's not in it you probably don't care um but just like i don't this doesn't do anything for me well the portal window opens like south carolina was recruiting the portal while
0: watching ncaa tournament games like they were in like going through the portal and evaluating film while ncaa tournament games are going on in the background right like so you're going to say, let's say it's it's what, the Big 12? Let's say Texas Tech does make the NCAA tournament one year. And that portal window opens for them five days after the season ends or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You're going to have guys go into the portal. Sure. And you're really going to make them stick around for three more weeks to play in some meaningless, 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 meaningless basketball game for money. At some point, The commissioners and the ADs and the presidents have to kind of tell TV to
2: stop. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the money aspect of this because one thing that Fox Sports is potentially leaning into with this is presenting NIL opportunities for the players to take place in it. So while Fox Sports itself cannot directly pay the players for taking place, they would kind of lean on their advertisers and corporate sponsors to say, hey mastercard you know why don't you give each of these players in this tournament because again it's only 16 teams it's not like it's full field of 64 like all right mastercard is going to pay every player in this tournament two thousand dollars and i don't know budweiser is going to pay every player a thousand dollars and so on and so forth where you have like these kind of packages for these players to make this money for giving them incentive basically to want to play in this tournament for teams, and again, I guess you're requiring teams from these conferences right. to play in it to yeah. create more of an incentive for the action to be good, basically. Right,
0: and th- that's fair, and that's a that's heady by them to, to say, okay, we'll find a way to pay guys to be here, but at some point, like w- this round of realignment for the last two years has not been made with the fans' best interest in mind. Well, it's not been made with basketball in mind, period. right? Basketball period. Let's just. It hasn't been made, the fans have not been thought about, the travel, the money. The only thing that people see are dollar signs. Sure. How much can we get for our product in the open market with ESPN, with CBS, with Fox, with Peacock, with Aunt Sally driving over in and live streaming the game? Like, yeah. Would she pay $4 million for us to do that? Let's call her up and see. Sure. You can't now, the the toothpaste out of the tube. TV's making the decisions now. TV's making the decisions. Well, now. with with all the money they're paying the conferences, they got to right. recoup it some way. It's it's, it's almost like when you donate money to a, a program or to something like, especially when you donate a lot of it, you have some pull. Sure, you have some say because that's your money. Yeah, and when ESPN's, CBS, insert whoever here, when they're putting. Gajillion dollars down, yeah, they're gonna have a say, and it's it's going to water down the product. It's going to make it really tough to enjoy a lot of this stuff, and and we're
2: slippery sloping it right now. Well, we'll see what happens, but more basketball potentially on the way in the month of month of March. That'll do it for today's edition of In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. Extra point coming up next as this week rolls on, as we get closer and closer to start the SEC play against Georgia this weekend here on the game.